Hello, I'm John Pollitz, Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University Carbondale, and your host for Saluki Stories. Today, we're going to talk with Sean Clanky. Sean gets the prize for being the farthest away Saluki that I've talked to during Saluki Stories. We'll hear more about that as we continue. Sean graduated in 1990 with a BA in French and then stayed around to, till 1992 to get an MA in English as a second language. Right after he graduated, he moved to Japan and he has lived there since 1992. He is a professor of applied linguistics at Otera University of Commerce in Hokkaido, Japan. Sean is the perfect example of how someone can follow their dream no matter where it leads them. Let's hear what Sean has to say about his time at Southern Illinois University and his career afterwards. There is so much to Sean's story that this will be part one of a two-part episode. Let's dive right in. I am Sean Clanky. Uh, I came to SIU from Rockton, uh, and I began SIU as a double major in photography and French, and I finished in French in 1990, and I graduated with my master's in English as a foreign language in 1992. All right, great. Well, that's interesting. And so you were, a, I was a photography major too for a bit. It was an interesting program. Did Was Chuck Swedland still there? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Chuck was uh, and is an inspiration to me even now uh, with the photography I do for, for some of the work I do for the university and, and things. And uh, having had Chuck as a professor was really one of the highlights of my time at SIU. Good. Well, that's good to know. That's really interesting. Um, one of the great pleasures, I was ter- I was a no-talent uh, photography. Anyway, um, it turned out that uh, I was no longer uh, had to worry about the draft just at the time when all any kind of creativity or talent drained out of me. So I was able to change actually changed my major um but chuck was an was an amazing um professor and interesting and and so one of the good things really exciting things for me was when i learned that the uh the museum was part of the going to be part of the library um they had a an outstanding commitment to him to do a show and so I got to call him up and and apologize that, you know, we kind of left him in the lurch when they closed the museum. But since we were opening, uh, could he be one of the first exhibits we had? And he did a marvelous, marvelous exhibit of his, his photographs from um, oh, Mammoth Cave <laughs> and different caving. I, I don't I don't know if he was into caving it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Spelunking. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Spelunk. Yeah. And he was terrific. I mean, it was a terrific show. He was very happy. So I'm, I'm still in contact with him. And it's just, it's kind of marvelous to, to have an old uh, faculty member like that. It's, uh, it's sort of one of my goals in life to actually own one of his, his uh, prints. Uh, and I hope to get one at some point. That, yes, that would be very cool. Uh, Chuck, uh, in the first introductory photography class I took where he, uh, told us, okay, this semester, you're only going to shoot with this $3 camera. And so he, he sent us down to this, uh, the photo, the professional Photoshop that used to be down behind a uh, 710 bookstore, mm-hmm. uh, near Quattro's. And they had these little $3 cameras that they stocked specifically for this class and they they were horrible they were from vietnam they were plastic and they leaked light all over the place but that was sort of the point of him sending us out there to do this was for us to explore these little plastic cameras and actually figure out how to use uh what we had use the light and use the framing uh, of that uh, small little camera and figure out how to make it work uh and make uh interesting intriguing uh, photographs out of that. So, uh, that was quite, quite helpful, uh, as a student to be able to, to, uh, not have to have the best equipment. And even today, when I, when I take pictures, I don't use $2,000 equipment. I use my iPod, my iPhone, whatever I have, and I can still make really nice, uh, pictures from that. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, well, we've got we got to start here. Um, so let's see. Um, that was uh, one of my questions. What could you name a single individual? Now he was. So you had a you had French too. What was there anyone else that you'd like to talk about as someone who had an influence on your life? Uh, there, there were there were so many, um, but in in French it would be David Gobert, who was um, at the time the head of the French department, and uh, he was a bit of a father figure, but he was also very very uh, supportive of trying to give us opportunities. And so, uh, for example, when he uh, was in contact with a French family, and their son was coming over. Um, he asked me to to uh, do a homestay, uh, bring the bring the student to my my family's house for a homestay, and opportunities like that. Uh, David was was just as friendly as could be, as wonderful as could be, and as inspirational as as one would hope. Uh, being in a foreign language program, uh, he also encouraged me to study abroad, um, which I did in '89, and. Uh, uh, he was one of the, the people that I was talking to when I decided to just do French as my sole major. And it was, it was a good experience with him. Uh, if I can mention one other person, it would be Tom Seville over at International Programs and Services uh, because Tom uh, both helped me to set up my study abroad, but also when I became a graduate student, um, he managed to get a graduate assistantship for me. And that made it possible for me to go to graduate school uh, because without it, I would be in a lot of debt. <laughs> oh, yes, so, yes. So uh, Tom is, uh, 
I, I really enjoyed my, my time working with Tom and, and uh, uh, spending time in what was the, oh, it was a, a, in a small house over in Oakland, South Oakland, uh, uh -huh. where we had international programs and services for outbound students at that time. And uh, he brought me in to assist with, with helping other students to um, study abroad. Oh, terrific. Where, where did you study abroad? Uh, I studied in Chambéry, France, uh, in Savoie. Oh, okay. All right. Very interesting. And, um, and, and that program was really good because it was an international student exchange program, and we paid our tuition to SIU, and we studied there. So we weren't paying our, our tuition to the overseas university. We're just basically being an SIU student and, and just replacing uh, a student in France, and that student would come over and, and take our place. It was a nice setup. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my daughters was a French major, and she studied in, in Paris, uh, very expensively, of course, and went on to teach English in the, in the French schools for two years and, and, and used, it, used her French. Was she at the, at the school in Caen? No, she... Um, she uh, taught in Toulouse, down in the okay. southeast. Uh, yeah, because um, when I was in the French program, we had a setup where we would send one student each year to teach in a high school in Caen, oh, okay. up in the northwest. Yeah. And I was, I was offered that opportunity, but I was already on my way to my master's and, and preparing to move to Japan. So. Yeah. So, so tell me about study abroad in general. It, it obviously it took right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I I knew from a very early age that I was probably going to live overseas most of my life. So the study abroad was the second opportunity for me. Um, I had an opportunity in high school to do two weeks uh, with my French program in high school, really? and that that really really made me um, want to do study abroad when I when I entered university. Oh, okay. Okay. And so now, um, how did you get to Japan then? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. And it's a bit of a roundabout story. Tell um, I, I, worked, I worked my summers um, at a resort in Rockford, Illinois, uh, called Clock, the Clock Tower Resort. Um, oh, okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. They took it down last year. Did they really? Uh, oh, what a shame. Yes, they did. And uh, so I knew I wanted to travel and I knew I wanted to study abroad. And at that time, an around the world ticket was quite inexpensive. It was about $1,900 for an around the world ticket. Really? And I worked and worked and worked and worked uh, to save up enough money to get an around-the-world ticket, which would pay for my trip to France, plus allow me to go on to other places on a very, very tight, tight, tight budget. And I started using the ticket to go to, to, go to Belgium, where I did a, a summer program, and then on to France. And then uh, at the end of my uh, nine months at the, the University of Savoie, I continued around the opposite side and went through Singapore. And the last place I stopped was Japan. And I fell in love with the place. Um, it felt like home to me. 
And I had already been offered a position in France to come back to France. And the longer I, I was in Japan for about two weeks visiting friends and mostly students from SIU. And by the time I got back to Los Angeles at LAX, I called France, called back to the school in France and said, I can't take the job. I said, I'm going to Japan. Really? And uh, there, there's more to the story than that. I mean, I, I met my, my uh, future wife at SIU and she's Japanese. Ah, so that had something to do with it that, as well. Yeah. But That always has yeah. something to do with it, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, it could have easily gone a different way. I might not have liked the country or something like that. But I really, really deep down felt like uh, this is the place where I feel like I'm supposed to be. Wow. And 29 years later, 30 years later, I'm still here. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. It's fascinating. We hope that you all will join us next week for part two of Sean Clanky's Saluki story. This has been John Pollitt's Dean of Library Affairs at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, and your host for Saluki Stories. Our production would not have been made possible without the contributions of Assistant Professor of Practice of Radio Audio Media, Jennifer Pape, Student Editor-Producer, Casey Havis-Rouse, and our musical production team of Austin Davis and Dakota Holden. Go dogs.